This episode of Moon Tower Business is brought to you by your local State Farm agent, Alejandra de la Torre. Alejandra's team has amazing customer service, knowledgeable staff, and super competitive pricing. They also have a very convenient location in Round Rock, located at 2200 North A.W. Grimes Boulevard, Suite 500. Alejandra's team is bilingual, and they have over 52 years of combined experience in the insurance industry. Alejandra's team is very friendly and helpful, and they always go the extra mile. They even have after-hours emergency availability. So please call Alejandra's State Farm team for all of your insurance needs, whether it's auto, home, life, or business. Their telephone number is 512-244-3311, or you can see their website at www.alexdelatorre.net. Welcome back, everybody, to another edition of the Moon Tower Business Podcast. This is your host, Joseph O'Bell, and today I'm speaking to Bill Berman, who is the CEO of Berman Leadership Development, and he is also the author of Influence and Impact, uh, a new book that, uh, that is being released. Bill, welcome to the program. Thanks very much, Joseph. I'm really happy to be here. Thank you so much uh, for being here, Bill. Uh, before we get into the book, maybe you can kind of introduce yourself and tell listeners a little bit about yourself, about your background and different things you've been involved in in the past. Sure, of course. So I started um, life as a, as a clinical psychologist. I went to grad school for that um, and was really committed to um, helping people, working with people who had emotional problems or behavioral problems and helping them to get better. Um, and I did that for about 10 years. I was a clinician. I worked in a community mental health center and I worked in a, uh, a hospital and I eventually started teaching at Fordham University, where I got tenure uh, after about 10 years of, of career and did all the things that academics do. I was teaching. I did research. I did cl- continued to do clinical work. Um, and then I started being really interested in measuring outcomes of healthcare. And I started doing some work with the Xerox Corporation. And did a really interesting research project with them. And I loved it. I loved working with the corporation. I learned a lot from it. So I looked for other ways to do that. And it turned out that I was had a really tough time selling that idea of research to anybody else. But my partner and I had developed some software when we were uh, use it, doing the research project. And when I started telling people in 1994 that I had this software that we could use to measure healthcare outcomes, their eyes would light up and they'd go like, really, can we do that? And all of a sudden, I found myself being an entrepreneur. So I, we were building software, we were testing software, we were talking to customers. I really hadn't thought of myself in that way at that time. So I was kind of a reluctant entrepreneur, but it, I was lucky. Um, there were some regulatory requirements for outcomes measurements in about 1997. So our company really took off. Uh, for, unfortunately, I didn't make enough money to, to, I wasn't Google, I didn't make enough money to retire. But um, we did well, and I eventually sold it to a healthcare information system and worked for them for four years, running their professional services group. So I had a team of about 25 people. We had 
I had P&L responsibility for all the consulting and training work that we did and uh, um, worked with a wide range of clients. Uh, I left there in 2004 and um, I met with a coach to help me figure out what was I going to do next? Uh, because um, my wife had said to me, I'm happy for you to do anything you want, but I don't want to move. Uh, the coach basically said to me after a while, what do you, what about executive coaching? And I didn't even know what that was. So we spent time learning about it. And it sounded like the, the perfect thing because it was a blend of the psychology training and experience and the business experience and, and bringing that to people who could do an even better job tomorrow than they do today. So that was 2004, 2005. And I've been running Berman Leadership Development ever since then. And again, I was a reluctant entrepreneur. I didn't start out to uh, build a firm. Uh, but over the past few years, it's really grown into a larger firm with uh, lots of different consultants and a pretty wide range of clients. That sounds like a perfect mix of uh, the things you were involved in before uh, starting this new venture. It's just kind of a perfect blend of the, of those two things. The company that you started um, in 1994-ish, what, what kind of customers did you have for that product? That was largely community mental health centers, hospitals, and substance abuse treatment centers. What we were doing was trying to measure what we call patient-centered outcomes. So... How did the patients experience have an experience in the healthcare system? Not whether the clinicians thought they got better, but whether they thought they got better and whether it improved their ability to function. And uh, that was a u- relatively unique approach because most people were using a different style of outcomes measurement. And people were really interested in it. The, it, the clients really enjoyed it. The patients really liked it, felt like they were being heard. And uh, um, the, the regulatory agencies thought it was good data. Gotcha. And so you were also uh, a teacher, a professor. Um, how, what was your experience with that? Did, did you enjoy that? I did. I went into academics uh, because I thought I really had something to offer the students. I had several years of experience as a clinician, and I was really looking forward to both on the undergraduate and the graduate student level teaching students about the things that I had learned in the practice of clinical psychology, just not, not just the academic side of clinical psychology. And I did that for years. Um, and it, it really was, I was enjoying myself. I got tenure. Um, I was teaching classes. I enjoyed, I was doing good research. The, the entrepreneurial thing just sort of hit. And, but I ended up deciding that running a company was more interesting to me than continuing to teach in an academic setting. So I set off and did that, um, walked away from a tenured position and uh, kept doing it. Gotcha. So ultimately, you started uh, Berman uh, Leadership Development, yeah. uh, doing executive coaching. I, I'm familiar a little bit with executive coaching, but and you touched on it also uh, earlier. But can you kind of just go in a little bit more into detail on, on the types of things uh, Berman Leadership Development does in terms of executive coaching? What kind of companies do you deal with? What sectors, et cetera? So I think of executive coaching as a customized, uniquely designed learning experience for the people that I work with. And the people I work with are executives and their teams. Um, these are people who lead large groups of people. These are people who lead large groups of people, um, lead lar- are responsible for large amounts of money, and are sometimes uh, dealing with 
uh, uh, you know, public regulatory organ agencies and other things like that. Um, my job is to help these people become better at what they do tomorrow compared to what they're doing today. And that means it may mean improving their strategic thinking. It may mean improving their leadership skills. It may mean improving their management skills. Um, or it may mean changing how they behave. Um, there are a lot, I find there are three areas that those are the three areas that leaders really focus on. And um, usually they have some issue with one or the other. It's not just helping the executive figure out how to be better, but it's how to be better in the context they're, they're operating in. Organi you, when you go into an organization, you have a job and you have a culture that you have to work in. The lots of people don't quite get the understanding of the job. They do what they think is in the job description or may do part of what their job is. They haven't really vetted what their, what their job really is and what's really critically important. Others know what their job is, but they don't do it in a way that the organization can absorb the information. So every organization has a culture, just like every community has a culture, just like every country has a culture. And if you don't understand how that culture works, you're going to have trouble adapting. A very simple example was a client of mine who worked for ESPN, and he would show up. ESPN is a very casual place. People go in shorts and jeans and, and polo shirts. He had grown up in a much more business-focused organization, and he was showing up to work in a suit and tie, and it just didn't work. And he wasn't reading the signals right. He wasn't getting the, the imagery right. And it took me coming in and saying, you have to change what you're wearing to, to help him really adapt to that organization. So um, knowing what the job is, and knowing what the organization needs from you is really what's critical for these folks. And it's, it's a combination of, of strategy, operations, organization, and behavior. I can relate to that client. I had a job once where um, I went to an interview, got, got the job and showed up on my first day in a suit and everyone's just wearing shorts and jeans. And I kind of got laughed at, yep. <laughs> made, made but, a quick change on that. But you, right. You had the awareness to change that. Right. Um, and not everybody does. Some people feel like I just need to be me uh, and they do what they do, but it doesn't fit with the organization. And that even if you're doing your job exactly right, that undermines how you can how you can be effective in that organization. Right. Um, so the, the C-suite executives that you you typically deal with um, in your in your coaching um what kind of experience level are they generally? Are they people that have been in the industry as a, as a CEO or a CFO for a while, or uh, are they a lot of them brand new? You know, it ranges. There's, I've worked with uh, C-suite individuals who are in startups who are, have been doing this for a few years and are, are relatively new to the whole business world. I've also worked with people who spent 30 years in the business world and are really at the pinnacle. And um, or they're almost at the pinnacle and they're really working to try and get to that CEO slot. And my job is to help them sort of figure out exactly what that job is and exactly how to do it. So it, it really it runs the gamut of who I work with. They 
it's still the same fundamental issue for most of my coaching clients, which is know what the job is, know what your own strengths are, and know what the organization needs from you from a cultural standpoint and get those right. I had one CEO uh, that I worked with and he was very, he was a, it was a European company and he was very American and he wasn't quite able to adapt his style. So the things that went over very well with his own team in the U S didn't do well at all in the European client uh, with the European company. So it just wasn't quite enough to help him get where he wanted to go. And, you know, people um, struggle with that, but it's, it, that was our focus was trying to get him to adapt to that culture. Yeah. I guess it goes to show that no matter what experience level you have, you've been in this for 20, 30 years, there's always room for improvement. Absolutely. And you know, if you're, if you're early career, um, if you're an individual career, individual contributor or a manager, you know, there may be significant changes that you need to make. But if you're a CEO or, a say, a CFO or a COO or a regional CEO, you're already playing in the big leagues, right? Getting to that CEO slot is like thinking of yourself as getting to the all-star game. It's And the differences between the people who are really good in the big leagues and the people who are in the all-star game are really small differences for the most part. But that's what really matters. Gotcha. I also read that uh, you are, are part of the Forbes Coaches Council, uh, yeah. which is a pretty, pretty unique, exclusive thing. Can you talk a little bit about uh, how that came about? So a few years ago, I was looking for ways to grow the business. And one of the ways that I identified was the Forbes Coaches Council. It's a fairly specialized group of coaches who have been approved by Forbes who um, really know their work. Uh, these are nationally recognized or internationally recognized individuals who know how to coach, have been doing it for years, um, probably are, are thought, part, thought leaders, um, making contributions in blog posts or in um, podcasts or publications. And so the Forbes brings them together and help gets them uh, some visibility and airtime. Uh, so it's been a, it, it helps me build my network. I've gotten to know a lot of other coaches through that. And it helps me to um, promote the ideas that I have. That's great. Congratulations. That's, that's a, it's a big deal. Thanks. It's been so, great. So uh, moving on to uh, the book uh, that you wrote, Influence and Impact, um, is that officially out? That comes out on June 22nd. Uh, you can get it at Amazon, at Barnes & Noble. Uh, you can go to my website. Um, and follow the links. Uh, there are a lot, it's going to be in all bookstores. Um, probably not local ones until somebody comes along and says, you ought to get this book. Um, but yeah, you can, it's on, it's on the big website bookstores. And it's, um, so we're really looking forward to it. It's a, I've, it's been, it took me about two years to write the proposal for it. And then about eight months to actually write the book. And my colleague George Bratt and I wrote this. Um, I've been working with George for about 15 years and he specializes in onboarding, helping executives land right. And I specialize in helping executives improve their performance while they're in the job. Uh, and 
um, we just, we got together. He's written a few other books and we just got together and I said, this is what I want to do. And you want to help me? And um, he said, sure, let's do it. George has a background in the corporate world as well. I mean, he, he had, he worked for some, some big companies. Yeah. George worked for, let me get this right. Coca-Cola. Uh, he worked for AC Nielsen. Uh, he got his start at P and G uh, Procter and Gamble. Um, and he's a, he's a phenomenal strategic marketer. Um, just amazing. And he's been running his business about, I think it's almost 20 years now. Um, and has a, cadre of coaches, uh, actually consultants, really former business people who, and a very clear method for helping people on board to hit, hit the ground running. One of the things I think about that is when you hire a new executive, you're hiring them because of the work they do, because they're a brilliant marketer, they're a brilliant operations person, they're a brilliant CEO. You're not hiring them because they know exactly what to do in the first 90 days or first 100 days. Um, and that's where that kind of work comes in is it allows you to help them do in a shorter period of time, what they would have probably done anyway in a longer period of time. Gotcha. So what, I guess, what would you say inspired you to uh, write this book? You know, it's been floating around for me for a long time. Um, I work with enormous number of people who feel like they're stalled or feel like they're not quite getting where they want to go or they've been referred by their HR partners because they are seem to be a little bit stuck or not clear where to go. And in a lot of those cases, what I found out is that there are two things missing, uh, one of two things missing. Either they're not really focused on what their job is, or they're not focused on the, the environment that they're working in. And so I'll give you an example. I worked with a gentleman who had come from a pretty rough and tumble um, financial technology startup. And he was used to working in an environment where people were blunt, they were direct, they would yell at each other, and then they'd go have a drink with each other. So they were, that was just part of the way the culture operated. And he took a job in an organization because he had a particular set of skills that they were looking for. He took a job in this organization and it was a very genteel organization. People were polite. People were respectful. They never raised their voice. Uh, problems were addressed very um, cautiously and things didn't move very quickly in that organization. And he was getting a lot of things done. He was trying to make these things happen, but he was doing it in such a intense, fast way that he was really offending people along the way. They brought me in to see if I could help him turn around, and we did. Uh, he was able to adjust his style, to take a more calm, thoughtful approach, to build relationships with other people, and to... Um, get the work done that he was doing by building relationships and building partnerships with the other people. So it was really for him just a matter of focusing on the environment that he was working in and adapting to that environment. That's a fair chunk of what I do. The other chunk is the people who aren't doing the right job. So I had a client who he was great. The people around him loved him. He had a team of people but he was open to talking to anybody. He was a big focus, a big 
put a big emphasis on development. So people who didn't work for him would come and talk to him and he'd spend time with them and he'd help them grow and he wasn't getting his own work done. And particularly he wasn't getting the work done that they needed him to move into, which was more strategic thinking, more organization-wide thinking, more business development thinking. So he was doing the job that he thought he wanted to do and that he thought they expected of him, but he wasn't focused on the thing they really needed from him to help him move to the next level. So in my coaching with him, I helped him to understand that there were other priorities and that he was missing what his manager and his manager's manager really needed from him. So we were able to turn that around, shift his focus, help him set some limits around the development work and focus primarily on his own team. And he's been able to really escalate the work he did, um, improve his strategic thinking and really help the organization grow. So he was, he was another success story. That's really interesting. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm reading your book right now and, and some of the points that you brought up uh, really hit home and things I've seen in my previous work environments. Um, and and kind of you touched on this a little bit about expectations that employees have of managers or superiors and then vice versa, right? And so sometimes that's not communicated clearly and, and one or the other has an expectation that something's going to happen or be done a certain way and it's not. And then you have this uh, antagonistic kind of uh, relationship with your manager or your employee. And, um, and I think you kind of address that really well. I mean, and I think that's, that's probably something that a lot of people see in their workplaces. Absolutely. And a lot of times the problem may be with the manager, that the manager hasn't made the job clear or hasn't given you the feedback that you need to be able to do the job right. And, but you can't do anything about that manager. You can't get them to change their behavior. All you can do is change your own behavior. And so if you take the time to really figure out what the job responsibilities are, what are the critical elements that they need from you? Um, and then you can vet them with your manager. They're likely to tell you that's exactly right. Now, sometimes you're lucky. I was speaking, my publisher read the book and he said, this is great. I'm going to use this in my own team because there is somebody who's not doing the right job. So it's, and, and he did, uh, it was really an impactful thing for me because it made me realize how practical this was. And, um, so you've got to focus, you've got to take responsibility for it. You can't get your manager to change. One of the biggest mistakes people make, um, is they think their job description is their job. And, very often, that's not the case. Um, I had somebody who was working for me. Um, the person was a trainer. That's what they did. They trained people. And I um, needed them to do some other kind of work uh, because we had a crunch and I needed them to step up. And when I asked the person to do that other work, they said to me, that's not my job. That's not my job description. I don't do that. And you know, she has a right to do that, but it really didn't help me and it didn't solve the problem I needed. And in a lot of ways, we're here to solve the problems of our managers and our managers' managers. That's a, that's a key thing. Make sure you know what your manager wants. And obviously, I'm not talking about unreasonable requests. I'm not talking about personal activities. I'm not talking about anything that goes outside the bounds of work. But And certainly, there are managers who do that, and I'm 
you need to deal with them the way you need to deal with them. But as long as it's within the scope of work, you need to really make sure that you're helping other people be successful. And if it's not just your manager, it's the people around you, it's your stakeholders, it's your suppliers, it's your clients, it's your customers. You're there to make other people successful. And if you take that approach that I need to do what my organization needs for me and I need to do what my culture needs for me, you're going to be successful. People listen to you when you do that and they pay attention to you and they give you more opportunities. And you can also raise your hand and take more opportunities. You can look for things to solve after you've really nailed your own job. Absolutely. It's important to, to adapt and be a team, team player in, in a work environment like that. Um, I, another thing I, I really liked about your book um, is that as you're reading through it and you're kind of reading about or learning about these different concepts and how to approach, uh, you know, things in the workplace, you give real world examples of kind of things to describe that concept. And, and, and that's throughout the whole book. And I think that's, that's really great. I think it's, it, it's helpful for people to, you know, you read a concept, but then here's a, here's a quick, you know, paragraph or two on how that's implemented. You know, I've been doing this for 15 years. Um, I've probably got about more than 15 years. I've been got about 30,000 hours of coaching and consulting work under my belt. And so I've, I really have a wealth of experiences and people that I've helped uh, and they've listen, they've trained me. They've taught me. Um, one of the reasons I love coaching so much is that I'm always learning new things. I'm learning things from people. I'm learning things from uh, the clients I work with. I'm learning things from the companies I work with. And quite honestly, some of the things that I say and do I've learned from my clients because Many of them are highly successful and have really good ideas. And so I've borrowed those things from them uh, and integrated them into my overall approach. Very nice. And in writing this book, um, you know, the things that, that you that you talk about, is this all kind of drawn from past experiences before before preparing the book? Or did you have to do some kind of research uh, when you started the book to kind of incorporate that? Or was it a mix of the two? It was a mix of the two. So I did a number of uh, interviews with my client, mostly with former clients, to talk to them about what the experience was like, what they benefited from it, what they thought the key takeaways were from it. But a lot of the book was really just experience, uh, my experience and George's experience, and that we brought those to the table. All of the stories that we tell in there are clients that we've had or personal experiences that we've had. Um, I don't think there's anything we picked up in uh, interviews or discussions with other people that we put in there. I think this book is, is a uh, kind of uh, versatile. I think people anywhere from an employee to a manager to an executive uh, can, can draw lessons from this. Um, and it's great. Uh, what would you say, I guess, is your target audience? You know, it was really written for people who are at the sort of manager to director level and on up. But after I wrote it, I realized that this would be appropriate for pretty much anybody who feels like they want to make have a bigger impact in their organization. They want to um, individual contributors. If you make sure that you're doing what your boss needs um, and you're doing it in the right way, that's going to help you grow. Um, and even if you're not particularly interested in growing, it's going to help you really get the job right. And uh, and excel in that individual contributor role. 
You know, it's, it's, um, I want to be clear about one thing. My, uh, I have a son who's, um, 30 years old and he said to me when he read parts of the book, he said, are you telling me that I should just go along with my boss? And I said, absolutely not. There's, there's a chapter in the book that says basically, no, once you know yourself, once you know your job, and once you know your organization, you have to ask yourself, am I in the right job? Am I working for the right company? Am I working for the right boss? So if it's not a good fit, if what your strengths are and what your skills are and what your preferences and values are don't match with the organization you're in, don't stay there and try and change the organization. Create an environment for yourself where you can really excel with those strengths. So either look for a different job within the same organization or look for a different organization that matches your skills or matches your values. That's great. I mean, that's that's true. Sometimes people are just not a, a good fit for a certain role in the company. They could be a good fit for a different role um, and they should explore that and doing that. That's right. I've had a number of clients where the outcome of the coaching is I'm not in the right place. This is not the right thing for me. And that's a that you don't always think that that's the right outcome from a coaching engagement. But for some people, knowing what the right fit is and finding that is a huge benefit for them. And it's a benefit for the company they worked for because they no longer have somebody that's struggling. Absolutely. So so I guess. Uh, people that read your book, what, what would be like one of the biggest takeaways that, that folks should from, uh, take from, from reading your book? I think it's those three points. Know yourself, know your job, know your culture, and make sure that those match, that those line up. And Excellent. Then, then you figure out, then it's easy to figure out what changes you need to make to, to do an even better job. Good stuff. Uh, Bill, uh, I really appreciate you coming on the podcast and, and sharing a little bit about your background and, and uh, your process of writing this book. Uh, listeners, I highly encourage you to take a look and, and uh, purchase Bill Berman's book, Influence and Impact. Um, you, can, you can find it all at the bit larger book, bookstores. Bill, uh, just tell listeners one more time where people can learn more about you, uh, about this book, and where they can purchase the book online. So my website is www.bermanleadership.com. My last name is B-E-R-M-A-N, and then the word leadership. Uh, you can get information on me. You can get information on my company. You can get information on the book. And you can also download special forms that we use in the book to help coach people. So there are special worksheets that go along with the book, and they're available on my website. Great stuff. One last question for you. Um, can you name a book, uh, that you've read in the past that has made a, uh, an impact on you and in your career? Probably, uh, senior leadership teams by Ruth Wegman. It's a great framework for thinking about how a team ought to work together and what they need to be, to have, to be successful. Great stuff. Well, Bill, thanks again for coming on the podcast. Appreciate your time. Um, Best of luck with the book. Congratulations on all your success and continued success. It's been a pleasure talking with you, Joseph. Thanks so much. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. This episode is brought to you by our affiliate, Gemini. Gemini is a well-respected cryptocurrency exchange started by Cameron and Tyler Winklevoss. If you're interested in purchasing Bitcoin, Ethereum, or other altcoins, please check out their website at gemini.sjv.io backslash moon tower to learn all about it thank you